Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome back to Politico Tech. Today is Wednesday, December 6th. I'm Stephen Overly. When you host a tech podcast, people tend to offer a lot of unsolicited opinions about technology, especially artificial intelligence. Recently, my dad told me his 55 and up community was all a buzz about AI. His neighbors are worried about it, even if they don't completely understand it. My name's Daniel Coulson. I'm the founder and executive director of the AI Policy Institute. Daniel Coulson has sought to substantiate those anecdotes with actual polling data. The AI Policy Institute he started earlier this year has spent recent months surveying people across the U.S. about their attitudes toward AI, proposing scenarios about AI surpassing human intelligence or being deployed on the battlefield. Daniel himself is an AI critic, to say the least. He argues that Silicon Valley companies are rushing to develop a dangerous and potentially destructive technology, with little to no guardrails in place should it run off the tracks. He says public opinion backs him up, and that fears about AI run across the political spectrum. Yet the same poll results show a partisan split on what policymakers should actually do about it. On the show today, Daniel digs into what the public thinks about AI. So your AI Policy Institute just conducted a poll in November, kind of looking into people's attitudes toward AI. What were the things you noticed uh, in the way that people do see AI? Generally, the thing that we see is that the public is really skeptical of AI tech development, not very trustful of tech executives and tech companies to develop the technology in a very responsible way, and is generally speaking very concerned about where the technology is going. You know, polling that we released uh, earlier this year that, you know, got a fair amount of coverage, it was showing that 82% of the public think is more concerned than excited about the direction that AI is going. And that kind of captures the sentiment. It's actually pretty overwhelming bipartisan concern and interest in regulation of the technology is, is what we're seeing. And how has that trend changed in the polls that you've conducted, have you noticed differences in, in, say, November compared to what you've done in the past? Yeah. So, you know, AI has been becoming more and more part of the conversation. And I think there's more people that are paying attention to it. There was a great Pew side-by-side comparison of some of their research over the last couple of years looking at a similar question of public concern. And they saw a significant trend in the direction of more concern over the last two years since 2021, you know, which, which I see as basically as AI is coming more into center stage for the political conversation, but also I think where America as, you know, a nation is going, I think the public is more and more concerned as, as it comes into center stage is really what we're seeing. Well, I want to get into some of the questions that were asked and your your kind of take on the results, because, you know, people were asked, for instance, whether um, we should prevent AI from quickly reaching superhuman capabilities. And I think it was 70% or so of respondents said that they agreed with that idea. What exactly do you mean by superhuman capability and, and what can we learn from the poll? Yeah, I'm glad that you bring up that one in particular. 
what we mean by superhuman capabilities and, and in the polling, we give descriptions of this is, um, you know, essentially an AI system that's kind of better than humans at every cognitive task that a human can do. So kind of, uh, and anything that a remote worker could do is kind of how we, how we think about it. I think this question is really interesting because the public is very supportive of straightforward capability restrictions of the technology, you know? And, and so when you ask, hmm. you know, when you ask a voter, you know, should we quickly advance towards human-like artificial minds, you know, machine intelligences, their response is like, no way. <laughs> that sounds, that sounds scary. You know, it's, it's a crazy technology that's being, that's being built and that the tech companies are trying very hard to build. Right. So, you know, the voter response is no way overwhelmingly, you know, bipartisan. So the question is, uh, do you agree or disagree that the following should be important goals of artificial intelligence policy, preventing AI from quickly reaching superhuman capabilities? And so we see 71% Democrat support, 69% Republican support, and only 14% Democrat disagreement, 70% Republican disagreement. So, you know, you're seeing very bipartisan, you know, four to one, five to one ratios of support for strict capability restrictions. What's interesting is that's totally outside of the political conversation right now. You know, I think if you ask people in Washington, they, they can't even consider, they won't, wouldn't even seriously consider capability restrictions. And so I think that's a place where there's a pretty big disconnect right now, I think, between public sentiment on this technology and on the tech companies and where the political conversation is. You know, I think today that is kind of suspended because AI isn't the top political issue. I think as AI becomes more and more important in the conversation and as the capabilities advance, that difference in public opinion and the political discourse is going to be a huge issue. So I wanted to ask you more about that, actually, because, you know, there, from a political perspective, it was kind of fascinating to see the Democrats and Republicans who were surveyed seemed pretty aligned in their views in terms of AI being this dangerous technology and some of the fears about, as you're saying, the capabilities it can develop. On the other hand, there did seem to be some division, though, about what policymakers should actually do about this. I wonder what you sort of made of some of that divergence and, and what that means as, you know, Washington looks to regulate here. You know, I think you're totally right that the I think first off, the level of bipartisan support is really interesting. You know, we, we asked a question earlier this month, would you support creating a new federal agency to regulate AI and found 51% Republican support? We were, we're deliberately framing it in the kind of least favorable <laughs> framing to, to have a more conservative audience. And you see, you know, three to one support for that sort of thing. So, you know, I think we're really expecting AI to be the new bi big bipartisan issue that as soon as, you know, kind of the thing I'm expecting is as, as soon as something happens, you know, as soon as kind of some of the capabilities advance and it suddenly jumps into the center of the political conversation, we're going to see a lot of support for quite stringent regulations is my expectation. And I think that that's really good. And the thing that, you know, I, I think I, I'm tasked with a, a, an interesting, challenging um, sort of problem of trying to translate between Silicon Valley and, and Washington a bit. Um, most of my career is in Silicon Valley. And 
And, it, you know, I think you see this dynamic where it's, it's hard to get Washington to think that a technology is real until it exists. And generally speaking with regulation, you only really regulate sort of in retrospect. Right. You know, I think one of the big challenges with AI is you need a little bit of foresight. You know, you, you, we can't have it be that the only thing that convinces people that a technology is coming is showing it to them. Um, but, you know, I think unfortunately that's a lot of where the conversation is today. I mean, to your point, Washington tends to be very reactionary, um, especially on tech, uh, sometimes non-actionary. But the point I was making earlier, which is, you know, I was looking, if I looked at some of the polling results, for instance, it seemed like, you know, Democrats in general were more favorable of like uh, inking some sort of agreement on regulating AI in war than Republicans or Democrats were more in favor of, for instance, banning political ads that contained AI deepfakes than Republicans. And so I, I guess I wonder if that partisan divisions around sort of some of the potential solutions here actually make it harder for Washington to regulate, even if they were to be proactive about this. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And, and, you know, you definitely do see some partisan divides, particularly around you know, I think you're right that Republicans are generally tend to be more pro-market and more skeptical of regulations, typically. Um, you know, the, the flip side that I see is I think there's a lot of issues that Republicans specifically care about that make them particularly interested in regulations as well. You know, I think the main one that I, that I hear a lot of the time is concern about proliferation of very powerful AI models to our adversaries, mm. um, you know, where essentially today you can download the most powerful language model almost in the world from an open source, you know, website and run it locally on your computer. The proliferation dynamics of powerful AI technology is one of the most difficult issues because it makes it very difficult to control who has access. And all it takes is someone uploading it to the internet and then everyone in the world has it. And that's kind of similar to uh, bios, you know, bio labs as well. You know, I think the thing that we see with BSL four labs over the last fifty years is they just have a kind of steady leak rate. <laughs> um, that I think that suggests important limitations for what types of scientific research and what types of risks in science we should be willing to take. We'll be right back. The Biden administration is moving forward with a slew of new regulations that put products like semiconductors, electric vehicles, modern healthcare technology, and clean energy at risk. Chemistry is essential to our modern lives, creating products to help foster a more sustainable and competitive future. The Biden administration must change its course and work with manufacturers on science-based policies that protect American innovation. Learn more at chemistrycreates.org. You know, today, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is convening another one of these AI insight forums that he's been hosting all fall, um, including one that is focused on these so-called doomsday scenarios around AI, I, uh, which I, I guess I take to mean sort of end, end of the world, uh, worst case uh, type scenarios. I mean, in your view, has Congress handled some of these challenges around AI, things like you know, superhuman capabilities or the use of AI to impersonate people or some of these other risks and fears people have, you know, has has Congress handled those appropriately so far? 
So, you know, I think Congress has a, has a really hard job in learning really rapidly about this technology and trying to figure out what to do about it. A lot of the, the concern that I think will be voiced in the, in the doomsday scenario discussion is, is I think centered around this artificial general intelligence and super intelligence idea, which is really what open AI, uh, in its, both charter and also in its public mission statement is very specifically focused on developing is artificial general intelligence, machine superintelligence, AI models that can do every cognitive activity that human minds do. If that's the technology that gets developed, then I think the right question is how could that be translated into power? I think a lot of people have trouble imagining what exactly how this could lead to doomsday scenarios right um, you know and so i think there's there's a few different kind of angles that i think the really extreme risks come on one one that people talk a lot about is uh risk of bioterrorism this is something that i i think is uh definitely an issue because you really want to make it as hard as possible for people to you know easily create uh novel pathogens um and uh, in certain ways, AI makes that a lot easier and a lot less expensive. And so I think COVID taught every, everyone that in some sense, the world is exposed to these types of risks. So in, in, in a sense, I think this is what the, the most no-brainer uh, government action is pandemic risk is, is really severe. The specific thing that government can do to mitigate risks in that respect is requiring screening of the synthesis of new pathogens such that essentially you know kind of what new pathogens are being created in a different direction you know i think a lot of the concerns about where the big risks come from are you know if you have proper machine intelligence and then you have different groups using that to compete against one another generally speaking this thing we've seen is Science is the thing that drives the weapon systems that we're creating. And the thing that these companies want to do is automate a lot of that science. And, right. you know, there, I think there's a question, you know, we've had to deal with the threat of nuclear weapons for a long time. And in some sense, if we have a hundred technologies like nuclear weapons that are all kind of developed at once as a consequence of AI systems that automate scientific research for weapon system development. That's the sort of scenario that I think we could quickly see ourselves in with a very small number of entities deploying systems like this to accumulate huge amounts of power. And so, you know, I think, I think the question that I, I want to, I like to ask is, do we want to build that world? You know, do we want to build the world where we have these advanced machine intelligences that are much, much more intelligent and powerful than humans? If we have a choice to not build that world, we should consider choosing that, I think. Well, that was, you know, I, I sort of took to be a recurring sort of theme in the results because of the, of the survey you conducted. Because, for instance, there was a lot of concern about the use of AI in war. You know, there was concern, as we talked earlier, about these superhuman capabilities. Sort of the recurring theme there seemed to be, uh, you know, a fear that AI might sort of outwit us and that will lead to our demise <laughs> as, as humans in some capacity. But, you know, I have to ask, because I know you've, you know, talked about this before, kind of these 
questions about the risks of AI. And, and, you know, I I think you referred to some of these advanced AI models, for instance, as like a dangerous science experiment. So it it does sort of beg the question to me and, and, you know, as you all are conducting your your surveys, are you sort of, you know, going out looking for data that supports, you know, these these positions? Or does it just so happen that the public seems to share your point of view? To be honest, the the reason why our organization is focused on polling is because the public is just overwhelmingly concerned. Um, You know, and I think that that's the message that we really want to highlight to kind of the broader world is that that the American public is opposed to AI capability development. When you ask them, should we build human-like machine intelligences, they say, no way, that's way too dangerous and we should use government to prevent that. Um, you know, and I think there's a, there's a different question, which is, you know, the AI leaders themselves have this idea of P-Doom. What is the probability of, you know, kind of a really catastrophic outcome from the current wave of AI tech that we're developing? And so a lot of leaders in the AI world have, you know, given their probability of catastrophe. And so you see, you know, Dario Amade, who's the CEO of Anthropic, saying that there's a 25% chance of doom from the current wave of AI technology. And so then the thing I always ask is, you know, wait a minute. So if all the leaders of the AI industry are saying there's a 25% chance of catastrophe from this technology, why are we building it in the first place? Sort of like you need a license to like add an extension to your garage. Why don't you need a license to do a science experiment that has a one in four chance of catastrophe? A lot of the the, re, the the real answer that the AI technologists give is that the technology is inevitable. Someone is going to build this technology. And given that someone is, it's justified to take the risks because we're, we want to try to sort of channel the wave, in a sense, channel it towards a more, a, a, a direction that's less likely to yield catastrophe. And that's where I think I end up notably disagreeing because there's excellent policy options available to government basically to significantly delay or prevent the development of all, a lot of these capabilities. And so, you know, when I, and I think of it, you know, I think the AI technologists inevitableism is a little bit like a Bitcoiners inevitableism, you know, big people that are into Bitcoin say it's inevitable that Bitcoin replaces the U S dollar. You know, I think in a, in a, that's because they want to wish it to be that way, you know, and, and if it becomes that way, then they become, you know, a lot richer <laughs> in a sense, you know, I think it's in a similar sense, AI technologists say AI is inevitable. You know, it's inevitable that we develop machine superintelligence. You know, the thing I respond is there's nothing inevitable about the largest and most complicated industrial project that America has taken on in decades. Daniel, let me ask you one last question here um, before we wrap. And that's just you spoke of obviously bringing kind of the public's opinion into this debate around AI. And so the question for me in that is sort of who is included in, in the public when we we talk about that, right? You know, what voices are actually being brought into this conversation? Um, and like, for instance, you know, the, the first question in your recent survey asked about um, sort of, you know, Hamas and white nationalist groups sort of using um anti-Semitic propaganda and using artificial intelligence to sort of spread that on on social media and, and other internet platforms. Um, 
and it you know made me think about sort of bringing in the voices for instance of muslims and arab you know users who are also experiencing a rise in, in hate right now you know how do you ensure that when you're doing these surveys that you're getting kind of a diverse cross section of the population when especially we know that ai is going to sort of affect different populations in in different ways absolutely yeah, so one of the things that we do in, in our polling methodology is um, uh, essentially try to, to uh, weight the results by US, major U.S. demographic factors. So essentially trying to look for uh, a representative um, distribution across racial groups and, and, of, and kind of relevant demographic groups in the U.S. You know, something that we, that we really see is, is um, more marginalized groups are even more skeptical of AI tech and the tech companies than, you know, than kind of the population at large, just because they know that, you know, there's kind of disparate outcomes for different groups of people with the development of technology and marginalized groups tend to not really be the focus <laughs> when developing these technologies. Right. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's specifically they're not, they're not the focus. And because of that, you know, I think they're often exposed to disproportionate harms as a consequence of it. And so as a consequence, you know, we generally see uh, uh, racial minorities and, and other kind of relevant minority groups being, if anything, even more skeptical of a lot of this. Excellent. Well, um, very interesting poll results here, Daniel. I'm sure there will be plenty more to follow as, as we said, this sort of becomes a greater part of the public consciousness. So uh, thanks for joining us on Politico Tech. Thank you very much, Stephen. It's great to join you. That's all for today's Politico Tech. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's episode comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. I'll see you back here tomorrow.